We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Something's in the way next week. I don't know who it is, but something's in the way. But I appreciate how you guys fight, all right? Check the schedule where you're supposed to be. be uh, take care of each other tonight. I appreciate you, fellas. Team on three. One, two, three. I'm proud of you, bro. You deserve this moment, bro. Don't let nobody take this away from you, bro. You did this, bro. Proud of you, want to, bro. Proud of you. They believe in you, man. They believe in you. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, we're getting the crowd. Let's get in the crowd. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Victory Monday. Your Cleveland Browns have, have gone out again against the odds and have captured a victory. Back-to-back wins. Andrew Spade here with me over the Ravens and the Steelers, mm-hmm. both in dramatic fashion. Walk-off field goals, kind of a walk-off, both of them. Yeah. Did they have to kick against the Ravens? They could kick off and then... No, they did not. That was know, the final play of the game. Right on. And then this one, there was two lingering seconds. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, two essentially a walk-off field goals. Doesn't get more exciting. 
Um, a game with some weird ups and downs, and we're going to talk all about it. There's a whole post-game show from the OBR group. Me, Andrew, and Brad uh, are, are part of that show. That's going to be a huge you know, huge chunk of this episode, and then Fit Check at the end with Kelby is in there too. But there's news today that came out, right? So after the game, interesting timing, which is going to be the first part of what I'm asking you about here, Andrew, because I know you referenced this leading up to this weekend. I don't want to make this show about signing Joe Flacco. That's not the goal. The Browns won a ridiculously important to the franchise game, 13-10, to put themselves at 7-3 and three against, literally. And I'm saying against, it is the most improbable 7-3 and three outcome mm-hmm. I think any of us could have imagined. And that mm-hmm. is so damn cool what they're doing. But the goal of the OBR film breakdown is not to make, you know, when news hits, is not to wait a full 24 hours after the news hits to go in and discuss it. So we're going to, Start with our vibe around this win. We've removed ourselves from even the post-game show now yeah. to talk about it. I want to open the floor to you to kind of go through, you know, I, I this is what you and I do. We go back, like, how did you watch it? Where did you watch it? Yeah. What was the vibe? Like, mm-hmm. you kind of quiet today, so I didn't hear much from you. So talk me through, like, uh, everything around it. I was I was just completely uh, sucked in by it. I mean, that it was, it was, really, it was really that simple. Uh, you know, at, at home, just... I mean, I, I, we talked about it. I was, I think, more bullish on the Steelers' chances in this than a lot of our, our coworkers at the OBR, and so I was kind of girding myself. I, I knew the Browns were going to be competitive, as I've said for a while now, that they've shown no reason for us to ever expect they won't be out there with a chance to win every week. So it yeah. really just kind of came down to, you know, if they could make those plays, and again, they did it. I mean, you know, I, I think my big takeaway, Jake, is – I, I was thinking about this because you know it's uh, Sunday night football is is ongoing now in the in, in later in the second half and you know, Josh Dobbs is playing well again. The Vikings are are probably the hottest team in the NFL. I think the Browns are right there with them. Yeah, and, and that's you know we we just you know you, this is rare air for Cleveland Browns fans. E- even even after making the playoffs in 2020, the Browns have won five of six football games. And three of those, one too. they were, yes, yeah. they were close. They were close with Seattle. Yeah. And so, you know, but, and, and three, three of those five wins are against the 49ers, the Ravens and the Steelers. Uh, three and very, both, I will say before interject. Yeah. yeah like the Ravens and Steelers are both in the middle of their own runs. The exactly. Steelers had a nice run exactly. leading up to this one. Yep. And the Ravens too. And they've already won this week. So yeah, you're yeah. And the 49ers are running it out again. Exactly. So, so this is not, fluky there's nothing schedule based about this this is the browns just going out and being better on the day than good nfl teams week in and week out and i was thinking about this because this broncos team looks pretty flat against the vikings you know and they're the minnesota's running the ball well and frankly i'm i'm just excited now and this is not counting your chickens before they've hatched they got to go still win these games but i'm excited for them to play some lesser competition because the last time they took the field against lesser competition, they beat the Cardinals 27 to nothing. Now that's a home game. We know they've been much better at home than they have been on the road. Uh, these mm-hmm. next two weeks are against, I would say average to slightly below average teams, but they're on the road. So they will be tougher, but it's going to feel good after the last two wins, which took just a, a, an absolute massive amount of effort to potentially have a little bit of, you know, there, some things will be easier because you're not, it's not a division rivalry and it's not, you know, mm-hmm. 
the absolute cream of the crop in the NFL. So I, I just think the, the team is playing really well, and now they are getting to a softer part of the schedule. Despite all of the injury luck going against them, it is coming together for them anyway, and they just cannot be denied in that way. Yeah, that's a great point. The injury stuff is mounted, but it hasn't put them in a position that they can't still accentuate the best parts of what they are, which is largely defense-driven. Now, we have to see what happens with Anthony Walker. We have to see what happens with Rodney McLeod. they got to see if they get Juan Thornhill back from the cap. There's some stuff, It'd be right? really nice some to get Juan back. I think they miss him a and lot. I'll give... I didn't see much of Ronnie Hickman when he yeah. was in, which mm-hmm. is probably a good thing. You're I don't right. think Kenny Pickett was God's gift to delivering the football downfield. He's going to be the butt of a lot of jokes in the coming days. And listen, I think Pittsburgh's got a really soft schedule laying in front of them, mm-hmm. including games like I think they, they go Bengals, like Bengals, Cardinals, Patriots, Colts, mm-hmm. Bengals again. Yeah. But if Kenny Pickett is this guy that we have seen, they are at jeopardy of losing any of those at any moment. They can win all of them. Because that's how their formula can go. And that was what was wild about today. And that's kind of my thing. They took a Kenny Pickett type of game because I know that you were thinking it like I was. I got the luck of uh, the, the house was empty today while I was watching the game. It's such a rare thing. I can't even remember the last time that happened. I, I just was like able to sit back, view it, and take it all in. And I was like, this is the Kenny Pickett formula. The Browns missed their two opportunities on the plus side of the 50. The Steelers are going to get it back. Oh, the Steelers got it at their, the Brown side of the 50. It's 10-10. Here we go. No, they took them off the field twice in a row to give them the ball back. And we're going to talk about it in the postgame show where you asked a fantastic question of what do you, what's your key moment of taking, you know, what is your key moment of the game? What are you going to remember? And I talk about some moments that are not necessarily on the field, but from an on-the-field perspective, like the defense showing up you know, sort of puffing out their chest and they're like, we're not letting you do this was so damn cool to watch in the moment of like, okay, Pittsburgh has no answer. Kenny Pickett talked about in the post game, they played more zone than the man that they were expecting and they had no answer. They were floundering, trying to figure out where to go with the football. If it didn't include, I listen, I know Matt Canada is under the microscope over there. Jalen Warren only getting nine runs mm. is, is criminal. Because that guy, like, gift. Yeah. he was the best football player on the field outside of Miles Garrett today. Mm-hmm. So um, they really gift-wrapped that. Such, I know after the game, Tomlin is the same guy he always is. Doesn't, I don't want to live in the past, blah, blah. That's a failure, brother. You guys have got to get that guy the football because he was really good today. And I think he's going to be good in perpetuity. But I thought to myself, like, anytime Najee Harris is on the field, that's an automatic win because Jalen Warren is not on the field. And that guy is is playing a really fun brand of football for them obviously kept them in the game for large portions of it. But I just thought the defense is moments where we've seen them dominate large stretches. We've seen them dominate third down. They did again in this game. The Browns played 20 more snaps. That's the formula. We've gone through it. This is how they win games. They create more possessions, more plays. But we haven't seen them as as often as we've wanted, whether it was the 49ers game or the Seahawks game, where they needed to get a team off the field from making those last minute efforts to put them out of a game mm-hmm. where the, you know, that other offense has taken the lead and they did it. They were, they responded to three play and out situations. And like, Andrew, I don't know, man, that to me is like the final straw for this defense. If they can show up in the biggest of the big moments to go along with their dominant stretches that they already put together, this is the NFL's best defense. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. can say it without, a, a moment's hesitation anymore. These guys are really good. And like, 
Okoronkwo coming out four TFLs a day after his child's born. Like that's your third player. You mm-hmm. start Z out there too. Who's like, man, it is a deep group. And, um, you know, I don't put the Jalen Warren long touchdown on them. I thought Greg Newsom had to make a play and he, he missed it. Sometimes DBs are a part of the fit. So I don't really put that on them, but I don't know, man. I just, I'm, I'm really impressed with the guys up front and then the coverage, which was really good today. And the, and again, the big moment of stepping up to the plate. Oh, you guys need us to get them off the field a couple times. We got you. And I was just like, really at the moment, I'm sure you might've felt the same way I did where I was like, overtime is a good outcome here. It'd be a, a yeah, great sure. outcome. Oh, for sure. And they, and they got him off the field twice. And then they gave him that one last chance. And that's sometimes it just, you just need after David dropped that ball on third down the drive before that, I love that they came back to that exact concept again on a key third down to get them a first down. It might not have been a third down, but they came back to it for to David for like 16 yards. Just okay, mm-hmm. it's open. We're just gonna we're, we're just gonna whip that thing again. He's running like a little whip route, a little outside stem, turn inside, climb back under the curl flat defender. And you know, the Browns are searching in those moments, as you know, the second half. And uh it was just I don't know, it's all coming together, man. And you, you could do a lot of these romanticized moments about these games, but that that's the really cool stuff that they're, they're finding ways. They're finding ways, dude. That's all I have. They're finding yeah. ways yeah. to win games. And that's, that's, I don't know, dude, that's, I, it's really cool. And that's, what's got Kevin in the front of the, as, as far as I'm concerned, the front of the coach of the year banter at this point, 10, 10 full games and 11 yeah. weeks into the season. It's the Kevins, right? It's him and O'Connell in in Minnesota. I think O'Connell's got, you know, a little That's bit a more point. love right now just because of what he's done with Josh Dobbs. But people are starting to catch on to what's happening with the Browns. I mean, f- five of six with the schedule they faced, it, it you know, for them to be seven and three with the adversity, it's, 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 I thought seven and three would be a good record for this team fully healthy. I, That's oh, the God, easiest yeah. way to say it. Right. So like yeah. seven, seven and three, they're on track for everything they wanted to accomplish before the season. And they've faced massive amounts of adversity in terms of injury. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, it is, it's, this is the year I think Jake, where a lot of the stuff that we have talked about for a long time with the Browns can finally fall away where they find a way to win games. They shouldn't win or I shouldn't even say shouldn't, but they find ways to win games where they have adversity in front of them repeatedly. Yeah, That's what has separated the Browns from teams like the Steelers and the Ravens for years, is that the the Ravens will lose Lamar Jackson for the second half of the year and, and, and make it to the playoffs with Tyler Huntley. And it's not, you know, this goes to something you say in, in the postgame show that we did, you know, the streaming show. It's not about necessarily how far you go. It's about doing it regardless of what you're you were up against. So making the playoffs with this team, with the injuries that they've faced, is you know, it's 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 different, obviously, but it's an accomplishment along the same lines as winning an AFC championship because of the odds that you face. It matters. It, it ma- really right. it just it just matters to win. It matters to win. Yeah. And the Browns keep winning. And this is how you change a culture and build a culture. That then this is this is now the expectation. Yeah, and you can see some of the younger players. Like I urge you to go out, and I'm going to try. I'm, I might even throw this at the beginning of the pods. You may have already listened to this, but Martin Emerson, yeah, you know, getting in and talking yes. to Dorian Thompson Robinson, yeah. unbelievable. And, and you can sense that this guy is like 
a young developing leader because he's winning now. He understands his confidence paired with the team's confidence is like, oh, okay, I see how that guy becomes an all pro. Like you just, mm -hmm. it's, it is the winning, you can see, you can do what we like to do, which we, we like to take the results out of it and study the process. But at times the results just matter. They just matter. These coin flip games, you got to win some of them every now and again to get the belief rolling. And the belief is clearly, clearly rolling that they can overcome all odds. I'll be fascinated, Andrew, the, the sort of narrative around coach of the year because you're right kevin o'connell's done a great job of not only directing kirk they were rolling with him mm -hmm. and then they get you know they get in josh dobbs and they haven't slowed down any bit but the browns have had three you know three quarterbacks navigate fourth quarter wins yeah you know late drive fourth quarter wins three of them and they just we're gonna talk about flacco in a second who knows he could come in by the end of the year and it could be four of them so like <laughs> it's just it's sort of wild to me now the browns offense if you look at the metrics is not very good but if you just look at that, you don't see the perspective of what they've lost, the damage that's been done and who they've had in there. But I'll be interested to see if people are like, well, the Browns have won a lot of games largely because of the defense, which is true. But that's not what Kevin coaches, whereas the Minnesota Kevin is going to get some credit for it's going to become a narrative thing. It's yeah, just totally. that's how it goes. Totally. You tell stories about it. Mm -hmm. But what the Browns have overcome here. Um, you know, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed. They're going to go out West. They're going to go to Denver. They're going to go to LA. And I think they're going to stay out there. As far as I recall, the NFL did them a favor with that back to back and the Browns are going to stay out there. We'll see if they confirm that in the coming days. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just in, like you said, man, an awesome opportunity sitting in front of them to, to go win a couple ball games, come home, play the Jags at home, love playing at home. They're, they have the Browns. Outside of the Ravens game, that's it. Which five was, and one. as we all know, the culture shock. They have not lost. They're playing five and one. Great home football, mm -hmm. and the crowd showed out today. They were loud. You could feel it through the, you know, the TV you were watching or however you were consuming it. It was noticeable that the Steelers were frustrated and flustered, and that is a plus, man. Like that's mm -hmm. the good stuff. That is the fun stuff to consume uh, when you're impacting an opposing team in that way. And this is a place that can do that. So really, really exciting all the way around. And they're just in the thick of it. They're in the thick of the coach of the year win uh, possibility. I'm sure that Jim Schwartz, I, I think they do an assistant coach of the year. I'm, I, he'll be in the front of that race. He's going to be in that. Miles Garrett, my opinion, I think most in the NFL's opinion. I know there are guys kind of hovering. Daniel Hunter's kind of chasing him in the sack numbers, TJ Watt. And I know, obviously, uh, you know, what's going on down in Dallas with, mm -hmm. with, uh, with Micah Parsons is always on the radar. But, like, Miles is leading – the best defense in the NFL with the most sacks. So he's in the front of that. They're just in the thick of a lot of these award races, man. And that's yeah. also really cool 11 weeks into a season. So I think I've said cool, my, my full on quota for a yeah, show, but absolutely it is. It's it, we want the NFL to be fun. We have mm -hmm. consumed so many damn seasons since the turn of this team coming back in 99 that have been miserable where we look across the field and we say, Hey, what sport are those guys playing? Because I want to be involved in well, that. This Jake, is not what I'm consuming. Think right? about last year. You don't even that's have a, to go back fact. 15 years. Yep. You, you can go back to last year. It's a lot of the same players, and the results weren't there. Despite the fact that Jacoby Brissett, for the 11 games that he played, played like a top 10 quarterback in, in, yep. in several statistical measures, they weren't getting the results. And it was maddening because we would sit here every week and say, it feels like they're close and, you know, they, they didn't get a bounce of the ball here or, you know, there's a late pick there or whatever. And then 
And then they have the bye week, and then they get boat raced by the Dolphins and the Bills, and it's like, okay, well, now we've got some real trouble. They just, you know, and it felt like it was never clicking. One of the biggest questions that we had about Kevin Stefanski coming into this season was if he could lead the team, if he could get guys to uh, believe and commit to the process of winning. I think that question has been answered. They're very team, man. Like, I know they break it down that Kevin's first words are team. Like, they are, and I don't think it's corny. Like, he'll say, I don't, I know he knows they play the Broncos, but I don't think they care at all. Like, he's not agreed being phony like they're very the, locked yeah. in like again brad makes a good point of this in the post game show about they're living week to week yeah. like who's going to start this week well we'll figure it out the week to week situation and like they're just in the moment this is what we got to do to go one and oh this week and the way he's preaching and getting their bought they're bought in they're they're fully fully bought in and that's that's a credit to kevin the way you know it's not corny is that uh the players are saying it they're they're set, yeah. they sound the same way and it's not like yeah. ironic or anything like the the players we've we've said this before players know when these guys are full of shit you know what i mean they'll they, tell you yeah They'll tell exa- you without telling you exactly yep. and 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 when you start to hear the stuff that the coach is preaching come out organically of the players mouths sort of inadvertently that's mm-hmm. where the buy-in shows up because this it's a mindset they have they and and the more they have a team mindset and a you know game to game week to week mindset it becomes infectious it becomes contagious and that's where they're at they're very infectious very contagious right now and i'm just telling you i can't wait to watch them play again and that is that is really uh, unique that is really unique for them and i know yeah. they started 2020 they started 9 and 3 but mm-hmm. there's something about 2020 nobody could be there the covid's in and outs and this just feels like like the product is again what it used to be and they're doing it and they're, they're, they're like, the fans are getting to revel in the moments. It's not empty stadiums. This is it. And they're in the trenches of it. And I really hope they can keep this rolling, that they can come back. You know, again, they started nine and three, Andrew, in that 2020 season, a chance to go nine and three is right in front of them in the next two games. And then you come home for Jacksonville. So I'm excited about it. Obviously I think you have, you are the OBR is the, 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 the entire fan base. They have a, they have a, they have it. I don't know what it is, but the, it. the conversation that we keep saying in the in the group mm-hmm. between the OBR guys is like, they're fun. I am bought into this team. Like they're fun in a way that is different from past versions. And again, I don't know if it's because they're older, maturing. The leadership is maturing. They've been through the trials of the NFL. They brought in Z. They brought in Thornhill. They brought in voices that will help echo that this is what it takes to win because I've seen it stuff it's probably all of that mm-hmm. and kevin's experience four years deep now jim schwartz brings in a unique confidence swagger and perspective it's a confluence of all those things meeting meshing at the right time and if they can just get dorian or the guy we're going to talk about in a moment joe flacco to play a little bit better mm-hmm. any given sunday is a real thing man it's That's a it. very real thing so yep. they signed flacco I, I and and here's this is they signed him to the practice squad but this pretty obvious he's going to be on the active roster, right? So um, things I have not deep dove into anything Flacco, really. I mean, I know uh, when it happened, it came out, he was coming to Cleveland. Again, we talked about this in the postgame show, but the breadcrumbs were, hey, we Andrew Barry, we're going to add a third quarterback. They worked out no other quarterback. 
they're going to sign this guy, <laughs> right? So this is pretty obvious it was coming. I don't know if there was a logistical thing of like how the payment for a player signing works to sign him after the game. Uh, I don't know any of that because it's sort of strange to win this game and then announce you're signing a – Joe Flacco's not a nobody. Joe Flacco's a Super Bowl MVP, yes. and he's got a long-tenured run in the NFL. So you can't just say, hey, we went out and signed Josh Rosen. No, you sign <laughs> you sign Joe Flacco. Like the name carries – and especially carries weight with Browns totally. fans. Because totally. Because it's going to be really weird to see that SOB in a Browns uniform. Put that out there first and foremost because yeah. he's been the enemy for so long. But Agreed. like – this isn't nothing. You can't just say, oh, it's nothing. No, he's going to be on the active roster mm-hmm. and he's going to be there. He's going to be hovering. Yeah. They have also said, and I and I know you'll illuminate us in a minute with, with Dorian going forward, but, you know, with, with the whole thing here is driven by finding a baseline of quarterback play that's just, a, it's just got to be better. And I thought Dorian had magical moments today. Had a, gr- a pretty strong first half. Didn't ask to do much, but a pretty strong first half. And the second half was like, okay, this is where the reality can kind of take us off the road. And we're talking about, you know, treading water here for two quarters, essentially. Yeah. But he got it done. There's a huge belief in him from his teammates. They like him. So I like, I will just say, I like the Flacco choice. I know you and I spoke on this pod, I think maybe Saturday about this, because it was kind of looming. It hadn't been, then it's kind of ironic. Like after we've recorded things, then these little bits of news come out that he was going home, but he wasn't Mm -hmm. signing yet. Um. I know you mentioned, Andrew, before this week that you would like to not this be a reactionary yeah. sort of signing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was, but yeah. it might have been. But there's clearly just a desire to, I would say, raise the basement. Would you agree with that? Or like, I, where I are you at on it? Yeah, no, I think that's right. I, I think the reactionary thing was the concern there. And I think it, it's not the biggest deal in the world. I think the concern there was if DTR is comes out and is bad and the Browns lose and then they sign. If this news breaks in that situation right after, then it feels very clear that like we got to find a guy, you know? And I, I think the fact that Mary Kay Cabot was out with a tweet pretty soon after the signing was uh, what the Browns haven't announced it, but the, you know, the rumor mill has announced it uh, that clarifying that Flacco for now is kind of seen as the backup and, you know, the veteran voice in the room for, for uh, Dorian. Yeah. Um, I think that's a valuable piece of context here because, you know, obviously if they're on the road two straight weeks, you know, Pete, Pete Smith made this point in our uh, Slack, you know, it's a, it's a great point. They're going to be on the road multiple weeks. Watson's not going to necessarily be with the team. He's about to undergo surgery at some point here. You know, there, there's going to be fluctuation. You need that guy who's, who's dialed in day to day doing the game planning, who's around the team that can help walk Dorian through the process. And, like you said, there's a there's a steady hand component here too because the thing with the quarterback position from here on out, the upside is is unknowable, right? We cannot sit here and tell anybody listening how well the quarterbacks are going to play between here and January. But the the what they have to get a, a handle on is what the downside is, right? The downside it has to to be minimal turnovers, being able to take the the easy throws that the system presents. And maybe occasionally finding, you know, something downfield. Now that last thing they didn't do at all today, I'm sure that that will be something that'll be a big part of your focus tomorrow, breaking down the film. But the the big thing here with with Flacco is is just have a guy that knows how the the process works. As as you mentioned in the post game show, which we keep referring to, 
He's a, he, you know, he's got some Kubiak time under his belt. So he, he knows a lot of the terminology probably of the system. And I think he's going to just be that steadying presence that, you know, I, I think the, the biggest thing for me, you don't want it to be whether through injury or a run of bad play that now you've got to turn to PJ Walker. I think PJ is a, is a hero for what he did for the, this team this year, but he is not a long-term answer at quarterback. And Joe Flacco is, you know, is, a, is, is more in that direction of a, a steady hand that, you know, hopefully you can trust to, to avoid turnovers and implement the game plan successfully. It's, I'm, I'm not talking about him in the most glowing terms, but I'm trying to be realistic. Well, you got to understand, like his time in New York, he was a stopgap, like a very much stopgap between drafting, you know, the the youngster Zach Wilson the way they did. He's, if you look at the raw data, now they didn't win games, but I'm telling you, the Jets weren't winning games with anybody the last three years. We know that, right? Yes. He he attempts about 200 passes, 134 in 2020. In 2021, he attempts 42. In 2022, he attempts 191. So he attempts about 200 passes, or sorry, just under 400, apologies. He throws for like 2,000 and some change. He throws for 14 touchdowns, six interceptions. We saw him last year. You just saw him in 2022. I don't think there's a player on the Browns roster right now who can have a game like what we saw Flacco do to the Browns. Now, I understand that's a Joe Woods defense, and you can put anything together you want to on the rationale for that outcome. But he threw for 350 and four touchdowns. I don't see anybody on the Browns roster doing that right now. Now, there are bad games, right? If you look at his game logs from 2022, we talked about this, I think, on Saturday, Andrew. He got benched after the the, the Cincinnati game where he threw 28 of 52, 285, and a couple touchdowns. Sorry, a couple interceptions. But, like... Had the Browns thrown for 285 outside of Watson, Tennessee? Like there, and I, I don't want him throwing 52 times. I don't want him doing that. Right. My general point is I think people have a distaste for Flacco when I'm like, if you look at the splits here, man, he's still delivering the football. He went 28 of 50. So the Browns game, he went 26 of 44. Let me backtrack it even more to week one, Andrew. 37 of 52, 309, a touchdown, a pick. This is not advanced data here. Just right. I'm, I'm not even into it yet. Next week, 26 of 44, 307, four touchdowns in Cleveland. And then 28 of 52, 285, and two interceptions. Is that 28 of 52 any worse than what we saw today from Dorian? Like, no, it's not. Mm-mm. And I'm happy that Dorian got the win. But if he goes out and continues to struggle in the fashion we are seeing and the Browns don't play a suffocating version of they're going to lose, guys. They're going to lose. They need a little bit more. Now, Dorian can get there. He can be better. They want him to be better, and they're making it clear we want to give the young man the shot to be better. But Flacco, even at his advanced age, is not any worse than that. He is He's a better baseline quarterback than that, right? So, yeah, you, you lose a little quarterback run game element, which they sprinkled into today's game, but... It's not that big a deal. Like I just think he raises the basement. The, the ceiling's not going anywhere. It's pretty capped. You're going to run into the end of the road with these quarterbacks, as is at some point, whether that's later or earlier. We'll see how the collective the collective group plays. But I just think that at times, again, I'm watching that game in the second half. They're perpetually losing yards, yeah. incompletions. Yeah. 
Like this is not that second half stretch was not NFL offense. It wasn't. And there have been times with PJ Walker where we're like, what are they going to do? Yeah. And and they're just missing people. So I, again, I know they sign him. They label it as a backup role, et cetera, et cetera. They need the guy playing in front of him to be better or he's going to play guys. He's going to play because just as a, at a baseline level, I don't think he's going to be throwing 59, 44, 52, although I'll say Dorian threw 43 times a day, which counts a bit against my point. I don't think they want any of their quarterbacks doing that. They prefer to run it a little bit better, right? But that's something you he had a lot of burden on his back in those early Jets games. So, And I will say before I shut up, he has experience with Gary Kubiak directly. 2014, now it's nine years ago, but that was his OC. He had a nice year with him in 2014. Kubiak's offense direct Kubiak disciple and Kevin Stefanski. And he's worked with Rich Gangrello, who was in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. They worked together in Denver in 2019. So that's more of a wide zone play action based system there too. And then he was with, uh, I think Mike LaFleur, not, not Matt, obviously Mike, the brother who was let go from the jets after the 22 season, he worked two straight years with him. So he's familiar Mm -hmm. with the operation of the system. I don't think the ramp up period will be really, really far out here. So no, I, I just think he's a ceiling. Uh, sorry, he doesn't change ceiling, but he's a he's a he's a he's a basement lifter. He can he can play to a certain level, and uh, it, to me, it just is an indication that the Browns don't want to risk going back to PJ. Like if if yeah. if Dorian doesn't work out, yes, we don't see him getting better. We can't go back to the level PJ brought us. So we'll bring Joe in and hope he can just sort of yeah. manage it, manage it, and make some throws. This is what happens when your starting quarterback is out for the season. Things get weird. It's Bingo. just it's it's just unavoidable, you know. Um, and none of these options are good. I mean, that's no. that's that's the that's no. just the truth of the situation that the Browns are in. Uh, but I think, you know, I, I, the one thing I would say to your points about about Flacco and his time with the Jets is you have to take supporting cast into account, right? I think about how Josh Dobbs has looked, at, at, you know, uh, over the first part of the season as the quarterback in Arizona and then contrast that with how he's looked with the Vikings. Part of that is he's got a much better play caller. No offense to Drew Petzing, but Kevin O'Connell is clearly one of those guys, I think. Yeah. And a functional line. Exactly. Right. So, so now he can, now he has some time. Now he's got a few, you know, Jordan Addison is a hell of a player. TJ Hawkinson. These are pro bowl level level players. They don't have those guys running around in Arizona. I don't think so. No. It's it, the same thing can be can be said for Joe Flacco, right? Is that when he was with New York, you know, people are thinking about the Jets offense that is out there now, where it's Zach Wilson holding back a bunch of good players around him. But two years ago, the Jets were a a wasteland of offensive talent. So, yeah, I, I think there's there's every reason to expect that a, that a player like Joe Flacco can get up to speed quickly, be ready as needed. Because you just mm-hmm. don't know. I mean, we've seen enough enough weird stuff happen with injuries already, and I'm knocking on wood as I say that. But also be that voice in the room that that Dorian's going to need to continue to see. He's going to see different defenses every week. He's going to see, you know, teams adjust to his tendencies. He's going to, you know, if he can't, th- if he doesn't throw the ball down the field, he's going to see safeties playing right at the line of scrimmage and and you know, uh, smothering coverage. He's going to need somebody to help him sort through all that stuff. So. This is just part of the process. But again, I, I mean, I think the thing that you said a while ago is the right way to think about this. The Browns are taking this one week at a time, so we have to try and pick that up as much as we can. 
I I think there's no reason to expect anybody other than DTR to start this week. So yeah, Thompson Robinson's out there on Sunday against the Broncos, and that's what matters, right? Joe Flacco, whoever else they bring in, other roster moves maybe need to be made. Whatever, man. Like just just go get this one on Sunday against Denver, and just keep it going because they that's exactly how they won this game today. Jake is they didn't worry about the Deshaun Watson. I mean, that was a fireball. That was Wednesday morning, and we were all yeah. devastated. That was four or five days ago, and then they beat the Steelers. Like, yeah, the, they got them wearing blinders, man. The I'm blinders are on, and they are narrowly focused on every single independent Sunday. Yeah, they That's know it. they're staying out west, but they don't know who they're playing after the Broncos. Like, I, I really think that they hone in on it, they focus on it, and they say, don't worry about where we are in four weeks. Don't worry about exactly. losing this player for X amount of time. Worry about how we get this win on Sunday. And that is the messaging is working. Mm -hmm. And uh, I give the Browns a a pat on the back for not sitting on their hands with the quarterback stuff. Agreed. And making a move here to try to help themselves if they need, they they feel like they need it. Right. So uh, I give them credit for it. We'll see. The best outcome in the world is you don't even have to see Flacco all year. Dorian takes off, has a great run to the end of the season. That'd be the outcome of all outcomes. But they have a chance here now to have an answer in place. And um, I commend them for that because that's not an easy thing to do at times. So hopefully it all works out uh, as best as possible. We can, we're going to get over to the rest of the, the show we did post game. So this is obviously going to have some information that is uh, later known. The Flacco stuff happens, right? You know, so uh, there's some parts of that. You might want to, you know, hit the 15 second fast forward through that because that came out after we recorded, but nonetheless, I think between myself, Andrew and Brad, there's some really good banter about, how that game all shook out and uh, it just it, it really good, really good immediate reaction to the game and conversation around it. And then at the very end, stick around for fit check. Cause that's a fun one too. Cause they had some good ones in that as well with Kobe. So we're going to shift over to that quick word from our sponsors. And then we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, 
comedy and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money, right? It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats. Like I said, before you buy them, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds and they're sent directly to your phone. All right. So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that game time app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets, create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Welcome in, everybody, to Victory Sunday Night. My name is Andrew. I'm joined by Brad Ward, Jake Burns, and we are here to celebrate... The Cleveland Browns, a team, a football team that may never lose again. Uh, they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers 13-10 to 10 today. And um, I don't know. It's the best thing that's ever happened to me. What about you guys? It's up there. I mean, I had kids, and those were close. I mean, it's probably in front of having kids. Yeah. So yeah. It's the same, same thing. I'm sure my wife would agree with me on that. No, it was awesome. <laughs> it's awesome, right? Uh, a, a really, a, at times, you guys would agree, I'm sure, frustrating moments in that game and some moments sure. of despair where you're like i don't really know how they're gonna get this one done giving up that lead yeah. which we'll dive into all those details but yeah mm-hmm. it was again a roller coaster of emotions that that sort of describes cleveland browns football perfectly but i'll tell you what your browns are doing man and we haven't seen this much since 1999 they're finding their way through the dark moments to the to the victory that again just hasn't been a part of who they've been it, it could just be maturity from some of these guys who have been around for a while. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what to put on the pulse of that, but they're doing it. You're living in those moments with them and they're seven and three and that's unique and cool. And it's really, really awesome, man. Yeah. It has a uh, kind of this season with a lot left has a magical feel to it so mm-hmm. far. It just kind of has a, um, you know, a magic feel. They, they pull it out. Like I thought, this one, they were really in the weeds here at ten ten, and uh, how they were going to find a way to win this one. But you know, once again, when it counts most, they came up big, and they just continue to do that week in, week out. Um, and the more you do that, you know, the more confident you feel in those situations. I think as a team, right? The crazy thing is they're doing it with a different quarterback like every week, which is right. even crazier. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, certainly an un- unbelievable feeling. You know, we saw that, you know, first time ever beating the Ravens and Steelers back-to-back weeks. I mean, all that stuff is incredible. should enjoy this very, very much if you're a Browns fan. Uh, awesome day. You know, I was just writing about kind of like today and things I think I know about today, like – at the yard at, or at the uh, stadium, the yard, the stadium, um, the old ballpark, 
at the old ballpark. Well, they uh, are dogs, so they would yeah. be in a yard. You know? Yeah, they'd be fenced in. That's right. Yeah, okay. In. At the yard. We can call it the yard. Uh, at the yard, uh, you know, Jimmy Donovan, mm-hmm. Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it just kind of lined up for a beautiful uh, win. Not yeah. beautiful <laughs> on the field, but a beautiful in the sense of that they walked it off against uh, the two most hated rivals back-to-back. And they're seven and freaking three, man. This football team is seven and three. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I, think, you know, you, you go back to, to 2020, Jake, to your point about the way they're doing this. You go back to 2020, and it's the same sort of feeling in terms of finding a way to win games, but it's different because – They've done this essentially without a quarterback for some of these games, right? They have had they've had multiple games where they're they're getting almost nothing from the quarterback position and still finding a way to win. In 2020, you know, Baker Mayfield was maybe not setting the world on fire, but he played some really good football, uh, you know, in that season. Yeah. And the second half was particularly stellar from him. Right, exactly. Your, exactly. Your yeah, point. once once he he had that Bengals game walk off to DPJ or whatever it was, you know, that 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 game-winning drive. Mm-hmm. And then they just kind of started racking victories. And then I, I know that, you know, there was some some COVID stuff late with that Jets game or whatever. But the, I think the point is, is that they, you saw pieces coming together. This team, yep. they keep losing pieces. Stuff keeps falling off the truck every week. Yep. And they just keep winning despite the, you know, the, the cupboard being pretty bare on offense at this point. And I think you felt that often today, right? Where you, you know, I, I remember watching it a few times and just thinking like, I, you know, they can't go to Cooper on every play. Najoku's not catching the ball. So who yeah. who do you trust in a, in a third and five situation right now if you're the Browns? And it felt like there wasn't really an answer. And that was so disheartening because, again, you think about the players that aren't on the field. You know, I mean, I guess on the offense, it's really just in terms of skill players, it's just Nick Chubb. The other injuries are on the offensive line. But it just felt like they didn't, they weren't able to get to a point of having reliable answers offensively from their skill position players that would help the quarterback out of jams. And, you know, again, you go back to 2020, it felt like that showed up more times, whether it was Jarvis Landry or Kareem Hunt when he was a different player or Nick Chubb. It felt like they had more weapons in the arsenal this year. It's really, it's MacGyver stuff. It's gum and paper clips and, you know, they're barely keeping the thing afloat, but they are and they're seven and three. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I think about this in terms of, you know, that, that moment in your life, whether it's, you know, a relationship or a job or whatever, and you, you, you kind of feel like maybe you lucked into it a little bit, but at a certain point you have to decide to just enjoy it. You can't keep thinking, when's the other shoe going to drop? You just have to say, I guess this is my life now. I guess I'm just the happiest SOB on the planet. And I think that's where Browns (laughs) fans are. Yeah. They're seven and three with the, you know, third quarterback that's gotten a rent, a win offensive line injuries, et cetera, et cetera. They've got one of the best defenses of the past 20 years. It's just real. It's just real now. So I, I think, you know, let's talk though, before we just, I guess, cause I'll just keep gushing. Let's, let's talk about, I want to talk about the third quarter, not to bring the mood down, but just to talk about what an uphill battle this was, because uh, the question I have for you, Jake, is that it felt to me watching the the TV, you know, just just watching it live, that the Steelers knew what was coming on almost every play, and it got to the point where I know you tweeted this during the game. They had seven consecutive offensive plays that went for a zero or negative yardage, something like that. They were 
stuck in the mud to an, such an extent that it looked like they were playing themselves on defense. That's how that's how good the Steelers' defense looked at times. And what I want to ask you is, how much of that is a product of the quarterback not being able to get the ball to to maybe some answers that are downfield, or and how much of that was Stefanski not giving him those options? And I know you're watching TV copy just like the rest of us, but do you have any yeah. sort of a feel for? A lot of those were checkdowns, right? So, like, Great how question. much of that is on the young quarterback for not trying to push the ball? Yep. Well, probably a, a, lo- a good amount. I mean, again, though, you know, we're talking – I think you're making a good point about who do we throw it to. I think Pittsburgh played them pretty well. Uh, I think you talked about this in our lead-up Saturday, that, like, they're just kind of disrespected across the league. Like, the names – you know, they don't have Minka Fitzpatrick, right? They don't have some elements of the defense that has made them pretty good over there. But they're still really well coached. And I think that Stefanski, I'll give Tomlin credit. I think he's got a pretty good feel for what Kevin wants to do. And they they really make life difficult on the Browns. Obviously, having Nick over the years allows you to get out of some sticky situations, right? But I think we all have to step back that third quarter, which is, again, really frustrating. It was like 21 plays and 23 yards. I mean, it was actually getting downright laughable at times, like a JV versus varsity moment where – Oh, there's negative two. Oh, there's a negative one. Oh, there's negative four. It was just overwhelming. I, I don't – the answer to your, your the root of your question, I think DTR wanted to get rid of the football quick. The focal point for me, um, based on what I have seen from the data, which tells us he had one of the lowest, uh, you know, A dot, average distance of target in a long time. It was not very good. That they wanted to relieve the burden the same way they did the week before on the tackles. And that meant trying to get the football out quickly, although Pittsburgh doesn't necessarily fall into the Baltimore spot drop mold and they don't make you um, beat them short versions of the field. So they will compress it, compact it, and make you hit windows, typically cover two or cover six windows up the sideline. Some seam throws you can make. Like you have to be pretty consistent to beat Pittsburgh and you have to hit some difficult throws. They're going to challenge you to make some of those difficult throws. So uh, you know, the, the biggest issue is the run game. And I feel like when I was watching it, the backside was causing more issues than the front side, which was causing a lot of things to get run down and, and, and result in like one zero negative uh, as they tried to get upfield. So I didn't like that. But as far as the quarterback, we'll have to, again, you said it, but we'll have to watch downfield to see what was there. But I, but I do think the teaching coaching focal point for this week was we're going to continue to try to get rid of the football quick. We're also going to try to take care of it like crazy and usually as a quarterback if your internal clock is going to be quick because a you're starting your second game in the league b you know about who these edge players are for pittsburgh and c you don't want to take any negative plays or turn it over you're going to find check down so the hope for me is as you go out and play denver not as dominant a pass rush a team that you should be able to run the football on more is that they'll have some avenues to more success whereas pittsburgh knows them well condenses the field on them and, um, you know, again, Dorian is just – it's a huge moment. And I hope that he can just take a step back, relax, and try to make some of those. We want you to try to throw some of those downfield, man. Like, yeah. you really can't play afraid. And I thought when they got out at 10 nothing at the half, they kind of played in a way that was we're not going to give the game away on it. We've seen this happen. We don't want to give this thing away on offense. And I think that shrunk everything on the field in, in a pretty significant amount. So, again – Monday's Chalk Talk will tell us the, the true detail, but watching it live, that's the feeling I got. And I wasn't upset at the passing game. I thought they just had to run it better. And they did run it relatively fine in the first half, so it was sort of befuddling why 
they could not figure out any path to positive yardage in the run game. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on a, a pretty significant amount. It felt it felt like Ford made a couple good moves in the first half and maybe uh, did some uh, individual stuff that helped the run game a little bit maybe early in the game. A nice little spin move got down. Uh, I was going to ask you, though, um, I tweeted it out, and I think probably it's running through everybody's mind at the same time, very much along, along the same lines as Andrew's question. But, like, you know, it, it became clear that they were – you know, sitting on everything underneath, right? Uh, the short throws, as you're saying, trying to make difficult throws and win. But everybody's going, you know, double move, max protect, double move, you know, make them pay for it, at least stretch, you know, get take a shot down the field, maybe get a PI or something. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it, it, didn't it feel yeah, like I, that was called for at some point? It, it did. I kind of thought that if you, I mean, I know that not everybody listens to what we say for the week leading up, but I did think that there were setups for double moves kind of building because I think we saw what we were expecting, Andrew, which was a lot of condensed second-level defense from Pittsburgh to try mm-hmm. to take away the ease of throws to David as best they could. I mean, hell, I, I haven't really, I don't have it up in front of me, but I think David had like 13 or 14 targets and six yeah. catches. Yeah. Some of those were self-inflicted wounds where he dropped it, but sorry, 15 targets, seven catches. He made that nice one in the final drive. Uh, they certainly wanted to make those easy. The Browns try to spread you out in empty or in two by two and take advantage of easy spacing throws. And they were determined not to let that happen. And I just didn't think the Browns had an answer off of that as often as they needed to. I would love for them to run some like slant returns or sluggos more often. Uh, any kind of double move, like a like a hit and go if, uh, off of like a play action. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of options out there. I, I don't certainly don't want them taking sacks and negatives, but I mm-hmm. thought they could could maybe mix in a couple of those. And I would say two is like they could have, and we didn't see it. So that that's what I want to be careful of. There's a chance they did that stuff and you didn't get to see it, but yeah, nonetheless, that third quarter was frustrating. The start of the fourth quarter, especially I'm sure you guys would agree with me. And I want to throw this back to you, Andrew, the pendulum of that game was the punting on both sides. Like the Browns got those two early possessions off of bad punts. One, a good return from Proche, then a shank, from um i can't remember the young man's name who punts for pittsburgh harvin right um yeah yeah that's right so so there were two drives the browns started essentially in pittsburgh territory and could not get a point on the board and at those moments i'm thinking that's it like you had to score on one Mm -hmm. of those drives Mm -hmm. and you didn't and then pittsburgh gets it in in off of uh one uh i think a healthy return sorry it was an inter how did they get those two? They had two late possessions. Pittsburgh did. Yeah, Bohorka shank one too. They took Bohorka over shank one that went so out like the midfield. One, I, yeah, and then they had another one. I think the second one was actually a decent putt, but but Austin returned it out to like the thirty-five, I think, or right. something like that. So, yep. I, I those two possessions by the defense, especially that first one where there was no margin for error. Mm-hmm. I think that they ended up giving like like eight yards up or something. But those yep. two drives, I'm sure you guys were sitting there feeling like me where. The Browns had their two, couldn't exactly. do anything with it. Here yep. comes Pittsburgh on their side of the the field. It's it's 10-10. They're going to kick a field goal, and we're going to watch the Browns limp around and not be able to figure this out. And they didn't. They got off the field both times, the second time in like 40 seconds to get them the ball back with a minute 28 left, and then they go in. Like yep. that stuff from the defense, and I know you and I have talked about this. All three of us have talked about this. That's the winning juice. Like we're, you know, we we said, well, you know, the Seahawks game, they they gave up that late one. They, those two, and I know Pittsburgh is working on figuring out the forward pass. I don't know if that'll happen for them at some point. The schedule probably gives them a chance to figure that out. But I just 
I just couldn't help but think in those moments, like, yeah, they gave up a, the huge play right. to, to the start the second half. And there were moments of like, oh, God, they gave that one up. But that's the big stuff, Andrew. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's what makes a defense. Like, you, you're called – the Browns are the best defense in the NFL. There's no wiggle room on that now. Yeah. There's just no, no wiggle correct. room on it. So, that's yeah, yeah, because I mean, because, I'm giving you a chance to react to that, but I thought those two <laughs> moments between the offense and defense yeah. were so important. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, the the – defense was in a position in the second half where they they basically had to know that they couldn't afford to give up points right they they were in a position where the offense was struggling so much that the defense went onto the field every time knowing if we give up a touchdown here we're likely going to lose this game you know because that was the that was the feel and i i think that's true i think the the ability to hold them to a field goal on on that on that one drive uh probably is the difference between the game because i as as well as DTR did on that last drive to get the field goal, I don't think he's getting all the way to the end zone there. So the the defense was put kind of, as you said, in impossible situations again and again, and they came up big. I I don't, yeah, I, I mean, as far as what you said, that they are absolutely the best defense. And I think what struck me was that they, this was the, like, this was the opposite of a defensive performance that the Steelers do most weeks where, they play okay, but then they bail themselves out again and again with big turnovers. So they they cr- create a better defensive performance by getting their hands on the ball. The Browns did all of this and didn't get a turnover, right? So, like, they suffocated them. Obviously should have had a safety on the first uh, play of the game, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for, for the Steelers and didn't, which is a, a mind-blowing uh, missed call by the officials. But... The the Browns defense did all of that, and and they there were negative plays in terms of sacks and tackles for loss, but they didn't force a turnover. They didn't really they didn't force a ton of negative plays. It was mostly just by getting off the field on third down. And we, we talked about this last week, Jake. Their ability week in and week out to get off the field on third down, I that's the part when you talk about them being clearly the best defense. That's the part to me that sets them apart. Is that I don't think any team in in that I can remember has been so consistent about just getting off the field when the opportunity presents itself. Everybody's going to remember the third and whatever it was screen that they gave up to, to Jalen Warren. I think that was in the first half. But, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. The, the Steelers were probably about three of 12 on, on four, uh, third and fourth down. So three of, three of 14, there you go. So, uh, yeah, it's just it, for that to continue week after week is is it shows you how little it's driven by luck because it keeps happening. So, yeah, it's, it's incredible that they're able to do hey, it. Here's yeah. another thing. Yeah. I was just going to shout out Warpath here with five gifted subs. Yeah, thanks, thanks, that's awesome. Thanks, man. We appreciate, Go we ahead, appreciate that. Yeah, no, 73 plays to 57. So, hey, yeah, you know, there you go. Like, <laughs> the formula is to play 20 more plays of offense every right. game, mm-hmm. create more opportunities. The Browns went for a yard less per play, but you know what we talked about? The Browns' formula has been finding one more drive a game than their opposition. Mm-hmm. And guess what they found today? One more drive with a minute 28 left in the opposition, and they won. It mm-hmm. is actually, and I, I shout out again, I think it was Mike Clark, I can't remember the name, who yeah, gave us that right. mailbag question this week. They again are going to be about 13. I don't, let's, I'll count it up when I shut up, but like, I think they probably had 13 drives. And that again is like this, this unique formula of running a drive and a half or two more than the opponent they play every week because they know the unique thing about this year is, right, three different quarterbacks have led this team to late come-from-behind victories or at least last 
fourth quarter drives to win the game, which is unheard of special mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. But the formula is wild that they're able to play 20 more plays on average a game, which ultimately leads to like a drive and a half more per game. And that's how they're making up for a, not a very efficient offense because of all the obvious elements, right? Tackles and quarterbacks and running backs mm-hmm. and all of it. And I, I'm, I hope that we need to address that with the coaching staff and kind of, I don't want them to give away their secret sauce, but it has <laughs> to be something they're discussing internally. Right. Like it just, yeah. it's not it an has accident. to be a part of how they know they have to win. It's not mm-hmm. an accident. That's right. Yeah. Brad, I know you had something. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to comment on the defense at the end there and, and how often, even in like every Sunday in every game you watch, you watch defenses in that situation where the opponent gets the ball at the 40-yard line late in a game. And mm-hmm. because of the style of defense you're forced to play there because of a close game, it just lends itself to giving up that yardage that gets you into field goal range, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I want to note like – a couple weeks back, Schwartz in a presser talking about after the uh, Seattle game and after the 49ers game saying, you know, we realize that this can't happen. We're going to do some different things late in the game um, and being candid about it. And it feels like, and I'll be interested to see what, you, what you're doing, but it feels like they are relying very, very much on their corners in those situations like – uh, like they're showing a lot of blitz zero and then either dropping out of it or actually sending it and then relying on their corners. I feel like to get off the field in situations like that. And I think not giving and sitting back in zone, like a lot of teams will because they're afraid to give up the big play there is making a huge difference for them to get off the field. I'll be interested to see what you see on the tape, but. Yeah, I actually was interested in what Pickett said after the game. Um, and again, it it could look man to manish, but then when they zoom in on the line, I hate to t- I say this every week, they zoom in on the line and the quarterback, you can't see anything downfield. He said that they played a lot of zone and they were expecting man and that they didn't adjust out of it. So perhaps they were giving this is what the Browns really need to do. They need to give man indicators and then be able to play zone off of their man indicator. So I personally think if that's the case, once we break down the film, that that is a really unique thing that they should a be able to do because it will seriously confuse quarterbacks. Because what do you get when it's man defense, guys? You see like walk down mug players right over top of who they're covering. It's usually not very hard to decipher. But if you can give some looks that typically look like man and then be able to drop zone, like that's the next step, in my opinion of the evolution of Schwartz taking this to another level. They've been good in man. They're getting better in zone. Now, how do you make the two look similar without mm-hmm. giving yourself vulnerability? Mm-hmm. Sure. And yeah. that is especially, good, that will be the good stuff. Especially now that they're 10 weeks into the season and they've got a ton of tape out there about what they like to do. But if they can, if they can yeah. dress that up and add that as a change up down the stretch, when teams think they've got them scouted really well, that, evolves them like you said evolves them into their next form right which could be even stronger because now you know if you're getting unexpected zone looks the pass rush should have a lot more opportunities to get home than they did today against a a quarterback who was trying to get the ball out really quickly even if there wasn't a receiver in the area often um on that topic i want to talk about the defense so so here's my premise last week the excitement of that was that deshaun watson was back 
And that raises your ceiling to the point that you can go to the playoffs and compete and potentially win trophies, right? We all kind of got to a place Wednesday through the end of the week where it's like, okay, that's off the table for us now because we we just aren't going to, you know, we don't have that same sort of offensive ceiling. Watching the, and I know it's the Steelers and I know that their quarterback is, you know, really struggling, especially, you know, against this, but the Steelers offense overall, I made this point, you know, leading up to the game, the Steelers offense has been better since their bye week and they, they really suffocated them. And again, it's the same recipe of getting off the field on third down, the play differential. So my question is, uh, and Brad, I'll go to you first. What is the ceiling of this Browns team with this defense? Because it kind of feels like in a one game elimination playoff that they can beat any team on the planet. You know, and and pitch a shutout. I mean, I you know, I know that's crazy to say about a playoff team, but the the Steelers are six and three, and it found a way to get this done. And it, to Jake's point, the the Browns defense, when they absolutely had to, didn't allow them to gain yards. Like, period. They just were basically it was like playing against a brick wall. So, to me, that just makes me wonder if you run into a team that has obvious weaknesses, like for example, the Jaguars. We're going to see them in a few weeks, but you'd see them in the playoffs, and they really struggle to run the ball. The, it feels to me like the Browns defense could single-handedly win a game or two like that in the playoffs. Am I crazy to think that? No, I don't think you're crazy at all. I, I you know, of course, the uh, everybody took on that that thought uh, of Watson and the ceiling wiped out yeah. there, right? But I guess I never, I never really, uh, I didn't buy into that as much. I guess I, I didn't look at it as it has to be Watson or they don't have a chance to go deep in the playoffs or make noise. I think that I am looking at this team more than ever, Andrew, Jake, as like in a week-to-week process. That's just the way you have to approach this team, Mm -hmm. I think. Week-to-week from week one till now, they're just managing it on a week-to-week basis. And they're saying, okay, what do we have to do this week? Who do we have to play at quarterback this week? What plan do we have to put together to win this week? Now, if you follow that and you get, somehow, you know, a decent quarter and enough quarterback play. Yeah, you can win playoff games that way. We see it happen all the time. There's ugly, you know, rock fight playoff games all the time. And the Browns yeah. can turn a game into that. They certainly can win it. That's how they're winning these games. So, um, and, and when they've had to score lots of points, they found a way to do that too. So I don't think we know their ceiling. I, I don't think we know it. I, I am not deterred off of their ability to advance in the playoffs just because, I think they have uh, some special players on both sides of the ball that have shown that they can make individual plays, Amari Cooper, David Njoku on offense, guys like that, uh, in big moments, and the defense will keep you in a game. Yeah, I, I think the, the week-to-week point, Brad, is is great um, in, in terms of the it's something that Kevin Stefanski has preached right for, for a while, but the, the, the extent to which the team is bought in, I think, is the impressive part, right? And yeah. And Jake, I, that that may, kind of reminds me of another kind of question here about big picture stuff. Is like we're at the point now where the culture that Kevin Stefanski is instilling is kind of contagious, right? Because these guys really go into these games expecting to find a way. It's obvious. It's obvious they know what they're fighting against. It's obvious they know the disadvantages that are in front of them, and they're playing off of it. I mean, you you, you look at the Jets, and what's all too what's the, what's so different from the Jets, right? Like right. they have a really good defense. And, you know, they laid a, an egg tonight against uh, against Buffalo. But 
you can tell that the Browns are bought into the formula. It's not a go out there and I know our offense isn't going to play well, so we have to we have to press or we have to try to make play. I just think they're feeding off of each other in a in a really you know compelling uh, and, and, and I think it's, I'm not sure the word off the top of my head, but there's just a buy-in. There's a buy-in to the way, and they have a belief, a buy-in and belief. And I think that that can carry you when you're that talented for a good amount of time. Now they're going to run into somebody who's going to be good. And, you know, I, I think that the quarterback play is going to eventually derail them. It just, you know, I'm, I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know. I, it's just yeah. the, the fact of the matter. Now, can they sign no, there's two routes here. Can they mm-hmm. sign Joe Flacco right. this week and get some, just raise the basement? Joe's not going to do anything to the ceiling, but can he raise the basement? And then, or can Dorian step forward in a very positive way? And 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 that's what they're going to experiment with. The defense will keep them in games. The defense is going to make them a championship uh, contender in the division. Do I think they go very far outside of that? I don't, guys, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Right. They have dealt with it. The, they've been given a shorthand in a lot of different. They're overcoming a lot. They're overcoming a lot. But eventually mm-hmm. you need we, we've seen evidence of it over and over again. They don't even have San Francisco Jimmy Garoppolo stuff going on here. So, yeah. like, they don't have any of that. So and we can I'm really happy for Dorian. I'm very happy for him. And I'm 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 really pumped, but that was ugly for stretches of this game mm-hmm. that I know you guys would agree with me when they actually had to drop back and throw. Like, hey, it's third and eight, sit in there and make a throw. Wouldn't happen very often. But he's young and they there's like I said, there's two avenues to this. They either see it through and keep letting him get exposed to more playing time, more playing time, more playing time, or they try to bring in Flacco this week or somebody else and try to like, Hey, over the next three weeks, we're going to bring another person along and, and, and try to raise the basement. I I'm just saying if they haven't signed Flacco, I'm not saying that it feels like they're in that direction after the, after the game here, but like, I'm just giving my thought on the quarterback situation. So I think any given week they can go in and play with anybody, but they are going to run into some of the really, really good quarterbacks at times. And I think that eventually that's just going to derail them. But that doesn't mean that the season isn't successful or something. Like again, the the, the Jaguars made a run. What year was that? 1819? Something was the year that Keenum and a whole bunch yeah. of weird quarterbacks. Right. Like they made a run despite Blake Bortles, but eventually it caught up with them because right. it's Blake Bortles. Like right. you're going to have that catch up with you at some point. But the ride along the way. The unexpected journey, the stuff we're sitting here talking about right now, it's the good stuff, man. That's what makes football still worth playing, despite the news you get on Tuesday that Deshaun is done for the year out of nowhere, and it's a real gut punch. But then you see them fighting to overcome and persevere, and it's like, this is why we still care. This mm-hmm. is, You still care, despite maybe maybe you know where the train stops, but we still care. And I think that that's what they're doing a great job of making that fun. Well, and I, and I think my point with that, and Brad, I'll go right back to you. My point with that is just that I think even in the situation where they did make a run in the playoffs, playing a team like the Chiefs, for example, I would believe that the Browns could shut him down. Like the the the, the Chiefs' offense has not been world beaters. So even if I went into that game knowing they're underdogs and they're up against it, you could paint a picture for how they would get it done against him. And I think that's the point I'm trying to make about this unit is there's not a point at which you say, all right, stop, you're being unrealistic now. There's nothing I don't think they could do if they play their best ball on, on a week-in, week-out. Go ahead, Brad. 
I was literally going to say the same thing. I was just going to say, I would just push back a little bit just in that, in the AFC right now, I, there's just not anybody that's playing that great of football in the AFC right now that you can't say, wow, if on, on any given Sunday, there's a path to victory somehow, right? Like for, mm-hmm. for a team with this kind of defense and maybe you, hopefully you get a quarterback playing better than you have right now uh, come that time. So I, I'm not willing to say we know for sure the train stops here yet. Of I'm, of course I'm, I'm, you know, you're much more realistic than I am, and I'm probably being an optimist in that in that way. But uh, I, I do look around the AFC and say, you know, the Chiefs' offense hasn't been amazing this year. They, they're relying on their defense more than ever, right? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Bills are struggling. And, yeah, I mean, there just seems to be like, I don't think, I'm not really scared of anybody in the AFC right now. Yeah, that's that's kind of the point. It's just that I think it's 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 fun to be in a position where the Browns truly feel like they have a trump card, right? That like if things bounce their way on a on a on a day, that defense can couldn't pitch a shutout against any team in the NFL. And I, I genuinely believe that. I know that's a crazy thing to say, but I do believe it. Um I we're kind of flip flopping back and forth between offense and defense, but the, the next question that I have, and I'll go right back to you, Brad, we can make a pretty like reasonable argument at this point that Miles Garrett deserves MVP votes now, right? Yeah, I just wrote about it. Yeah. So he is nice. right now, uh, odds wise, he's, and I think, I don't know if it, they change the MVP odds during, like, if they're actually fluid during the day, you know, because he takes a, the sack lead, right? Yeah. Um, I think uh, realistically for him to win it, he would probably have to break. You can make the case for it, certainly. There's no superstar on offense. This defense is the strongest part of the team. He's the leader of the defense. He's leading the league in sacks. So, yes, you can make that case for it. Only two defensive players have ever won MVP ever sure. in the history of the game. Um, but they did change the format for MVP voting, which did get a couple defensive guys mentioned last year, where now not only do you just pick the winner now, but you pick like five players or whatever. Right, exactly. So that changes kind of the voting a little bit. Um, he's 180 to one now, right now, uh, and he's that's seven. That's good for 17th in the league. Uh, although I think that'll change by tomorrow sometime, right? I think yeah. he would move up with the narrative that he should be included in the conversation that uh, that some talking heads are bringing it up. So yeah. I think that naturally moves that uh, the odds on that. Um, but for him to actually win it, he probably needs to a score a touchdown or two down the yeah. stretch. Somehow he probably needs to break the single season sack record Sure. And he probably needs to uh, – they probably yeah. need to win the AFC North. That would be yeah. the three things. I, I think know. that's very well said. They they probably even maybe need to, like, not lose again, <laughs> like go 14-3 yeah. and three or right. something like that without mm-hmm. a quarterback. Um, I don't think he's going to win it. I, there's people in comments explaining to me why he's not going to win. I'm aware of that. The, the point is that you can have a credible conversation about a defensive player winning the Absolutely. MVP, and that almost never happens. He's in that Aaron Donald tier now where – you have to remove him from the conversation where you're talking about other defensive players, you know, and, and the fact that this is, I'll just, I'm just going to jump up on a soapbox quick. Give me five seconds. I'll be right back off. The fact that every time they went to commercial break, we had to look at TJ Watt screaming at somebody and the guy barely made an impact on the game. Other than when DTR ran into him, like he was bumping into somebody getting off the elevator. 
and 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 he's at the he's the 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 first guy you see when they come back from break. He's the last guy you see when they're on their way out. There has never been a more overhyped player in the history of the NFL than TJ Watt, and I am so sick of it. It makes me absolutely. It just it, it's the worst. And I, I don't understand it other than the fact that he loves to yell. And and I guess it, people strange. think it looks cool when people yell in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Jake, um, what night. Miles Garrett is doing, MVP, just your, you know, kind of your thoughts about, I mean, the defense is great overall, but like he's still absolutely the beating heart of this thing. Yeah, I mean, you guys covered it extremely well. He, he will have to break the, it's going to have to be a ton of narratives, right? Yeah. The first is that they win the division. The second is that he breaks the sack record and they, they, they end up being like a truly historic defense. I think that all has to be like, they have to continue this historic stuff where we're like the Browns did what again, like that kind of stuff all has to be in play and has to result in, um, like I said, win the division, um, all of that stuff has to come together. And, and to your point, it's just cool to have this conversation really, exactly. because, you know that that part of it is is the best out of all of it mm-hmm. to get him into the to the conversation he belongs in. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think Watt was a real factor in the in the game today either. And um, uh, I, I but the funny thing is, I'm sure I'm sure Pittsburgh people probably say the same thing about Miles Garrett. It's just a fun little rivalry between the two sides for sure uh, about all this stuff because TJ has played in a system that has benefited him uh, and the surrounding talent. Like this is the first season we've seen Miles Garrett play with truly surrounding talent like mm-hmm. you get opposite bud dupree and cam hayward for most of your career you're probably going to run into a significant number of opportunities to make plays so i like i think tj is a whale of a player he's he's it's unbelievable no, he not sucks. only that jake, family i can't he's really good man and like that family <laughs> produced two really good players it's nuts but no, I, know. I think miles has beat more disadvantages in sure. his career. I mean, totally. like he, yeah. he's come into, you know, that that's something that people want to overlook. And it's like that whole argument of who's better. It's like, do you know where TJ Watt arrived in the NFL, that defense he was on mm-hmm. right away. And mm-hmm. miles has had to like try to carry a defense his entire career. So uh, the, I got to say that the moment that was caught by somebody, Dan Moore might've been his name where miles picks up Kenny Pickett's helmet. That's laying on the ground and uh, just like holds it for a second. And then the Steelers offensive lineman comes up and like takes it from him. It was like a really (laughs) joking, funny moment of like just self-awareness from everybody involved. And I, I, you know, Pat, Pat, everybody on the back for that. Cause that was just a real chuckle in the heat of a, a really big game. And uh, I think that Pittsburgh respects miles like crazy. It's pretty clear. The Browns respect TJ Watt like crazy. They could probably cut down on his time on TV. I would agree. It's a bit out of control. The leg kick thing. They love to do the slow-mo leg kick love it. celebration. Looks That's really their cool. thing. Looks really cool. And then he yells and shushes the crowd. But mm-hmm. yeah, I thought Miles was clearly more impactful on today's football game. And yeah. and um we'll see what the stats and pressures look like. I think Miles had five and a couple sacks. He's gonna be right up there still leading the NFL, I think. And yep. Um, I think Daniel Hunter came in with the same number as him, so we'll see what he does tonight. But yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna he's the front runner. He's the front runner because he's playing and leading a historic defense that's it that is not it. relying on turnovers to get yep. results they're truly bottlenecking people in, in a it. unique way so he deserves that award that's just like you said the other day on the pod just stay healthy man keep doing you and it's right there waiting on you the, the recognition that you deserve and and that would be uh I'm, someone could correct me if i'm wrong i'm not sure the browns have had a defensive player of the year uh for for a significant amount of time yeah, if ever possibly ever yeah um so that would be, be an award right 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know when that came to to reality, but I'll yeah. look at that while we were, when I shut up. But uh, really, really cool for him. Yes, yes. Uh, Brad, Jake uh, made me think of something else that I wanted to ask you both, and and maybe you know Jake will have a different moment that jumps to mind. But I'm just I'll put you on the spot a little bit. Do you have a a sort of favorite moment from today's game? You know, and obviously people shout, shout, sound off in chat too in terms of like because I'm going all the way back to pregame. They introduced Nick Chubb as you mentioned before. Jim Donovan comes back from a lengthy. Uh, you know, health uh, battle with cancer and he smashes a guitar and then goes and calls the game. Um, and then in the game itself, there's the the moment that, that Jake was talking about. There's the, the, the almost starting the game with a safety. Um, yeah. The, the Kareem hunt hurdle is another great one. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there, it's like any great Pittsburgh Cleveland game. There are a bunch of different moments that there's a half dozen. I haven't named that I'm sure are somebody's favorite. Right. So I'm just wondering if there's anything, that like really jumped out to you that you felt like summed up today. Uh, yeah. To that point in the chat, you know, listening, not actually watching live, but listening to Jim Donovan's call was incredibly refreshing mm-hmm. to hear him call the game winning field goal. I would say that the final drive was probably my favorite part of the day, just cause, uh, it had been so painful to watch the offense for so long. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh my gosh, they're going to do it again, right? Like even even in the first like I thought Elijah Moore had a really good day. I, we should say that. I thought mm-hmm. he had a nice day. He's had 6 for 60 and some clutch catches uh including that 15-yarder to start that drive. But I'll say that that final drive leading in down there was just kind of like, oh my gosh, they're going to do it again. Then he hits Cooper on a slant and hits him right between the numbers. Uh, well, in in the number, he has a single number, so hits him right on the two, a, gr- a good throw uh, on a slant. So I thought he made a couple good throws down the stretch, and that was probably the highlight for me because it was like, oh, my God, they're going to do this again. Yeah. Uh, and it felt reality at that point because, you know, even at the end, Kevin took his headset off. I thought it was interesting way mm-hmm. early, like, this thing's good. We know D-Hop's knocking it through, so uh, – I mean, how many – here's the the thing. We were talking about this earlier, and I'll, I'll leave it with this. You guys mentioned Mayfield in 2020, but it was like after 2020, he could not make a game-ending drive to tie the game or win the game for the life of him. He could yep. not do it. Yep. Uh, and he had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And with no you know, steady quarterback throughout the year, the Browns have done it when they've needed it virtually every game this year. Mm-hmm. So – uh, kudos to Stefanski for that. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I, I I'm I'm seeing a few people in in chat. Thanks for throwing a few of those up there. Um, I'm seeing a few people in chat saying uh, DTR kind of showing some emotion there at the end. That 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 really hit me because I think, you know, it it, it the 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 human face that it puts on it uh, is something that we always forget. And you know, you get in the heat of the moment and you forget like what this is like for him. You know, what this has to feel like the the odds that he probably feels like he's facing and and rightfully so right the fact that they couldn't move the ball for so long uh you know and and we're finally able to 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 get it done and it's just the I, it's got to feel like a mixture of relief and elation and yeah. just exhaustion because you've been you know you've he's probably been sleeping four hours a night trying to prep for this thing and everything else and so yeah yeah that that to me was you know and jake you kind of alluded to it earlier if that emotional catharsis of that allows him to really kind of push on and continue to develop and 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 kind of get to more of a place of confidence where he believes that he can do it because he has done it now he led a game-winning drive 
And that's not something many rookie fifth round picks can say as quarterbacks, yeah. right? Those guys yeah. are lucky to, to find the field in their first year. He, he led a game winning drive against a divisional rival and a very good football team. And that's, you know, that is an accomplishment and he deserves to, to kind of feel that. So to me, that was the moment of the game. And, and, and I'm, because I'm in my house just being like, yeah, I'm right there with you, bud. This was uh, brutal. It's <laughs> just a lot of emotion with it. So, yeah, a I, lot of I great moments today. Go ahead. What's really cool, man, is that the moments, the Browns won a football game two straight weeks, Baltimore-Pittsburgh kick walk-offs, right? Yes. Never been done in franchise history. And somebody had just said, Tim Miller, who's a great Twitter follow, Clay, he's not your typical three-quarterback Brown season, which is really funny <laughs> way to put it. But That's today, motto, what, yeah. made, it is, what made today special wasn't the win. It was seeing Nick Chubb come out of the tunnel smiling, like, like really smiling in the midst of what's probably been the toughest month and a half of his life, like right up there because of how awful that injury was, two surgeries, and he was smiling again, man. And like everybody loved seeing him getting to see not only Jim Donovan come out there, break the guitar, look happy. Like if you have known anybody who's been touched by cancer, it's miserable. And to like smile and be happy, get the call where he like th there was a moment in the early game where he finally settled in and started to call the game. And he like kind of broke down because mm -hmm. I'm sure he didn't imagine all of the things it would take to get back there because when that weight of what you're about to go through hits you like you saw it when he left and like to get that to come together for him to be healthy enough to do it again and god everyone misses him man like he is the voice of a region <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. to, to be the voice of a region when you've watched so much bad football that mm -hmm. tells you how special you are at your job and then to see the moment he gets with kevin in the locker room afterward and like kevin just an a-plus human being on top of all the other coaching elements uh, an a-plus human being and he'll make it special for him and he did and i'd love to know what he said to him because i'm sure it was something special between the two of them but then watching dtr to your point andrew of crying on the sideline because he feels the weight of the world in a region that wants to win so badly and he could tell he was putting so much pressure on himself to try to win that game mm -hmm. and he just wanted to please people so like to have all of that <laughs> happen and like those are the moments that matter today for me, not the win, which is crazy to think about. They just won a huge game. They had to win with a third quarterback again, and they did that. And those moments around the game are what drove it, and the home fans showed up, and they, they destroyed the communication. Pittsburgh was burning early timeouts. Mm -hmm. They couldn't get the right number of defenders on the field. So it goes to show you – that when this organization wins, this area, this fan base is powerful, man. It's powerful. And um, those moments, I think you will, I'll never forget the look on Nick's face when he walked out of that. I'll never forget seeing Jim Donovan come back and, and like just the way his voice weakened when he realized, like, I'm really calling this game again. And that was so cool, man. And like, also, they won. <laughs> they beat the Steelers. So I yeah. just uh, there's just a lot there, and it's like of all the moments, and there are a ton in the game you could pick. You could pick the reverse block. You could pick, you know, getting Kenny Pickett off the field on that third down to get the ball back with one. Two. There's a lot of great stuff, but like those surrounding moments today made it special, and they're in the midst of a special season. And we can nitpick and we can argue about little pieces of it, but like Brad has said, week to week, enjoy your football team because they're doing something. For 23 years, we talk about capturing the generation that they've lost. 
They're in the midst of doing that over a four-year stretch, a three-year stretch, excuse me, and they need it. My son is saying, go Browns. The Browns won again today, Dad. Like, yeah, man, it was really cool. Like, <laughs> that's the stuff. We need to capture that generation again. And the home fans delivered. The surrounding elements of the franchise are in place. And just kick your feet up and enjoy it uh, as it's happening because it's it's really damn neat, man. There you go. Well said. I can't improve on that. That's really well said, Jake. Um, I, I really just appreciate, you know, to, to extend that appreciation, I appreciate obviously everybody that joined us tonight because – as 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 Jake said, I think really well last week. It's so much fun to to get on here and celebrate a Browns win. The fact that they faced the the Ravens in Baltimore and then the Steelers at home in back to back weeks and won them both. It, it's you 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 couldn't have expected it, especially with the adversity that they're facing as a team. So uh, it's just it's such a thrill to get on and 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 chat with the two of you, but then to 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 chat with all of you, right. To see all of the comments and, and, uh, and chat coming through and everybody's enthusiasm. Uh, we, we love to do this for the fans and we're so thankful to have you here, uh, joining us and, and celebrating with us because that's what we're doing. Uh, we obviously will be back, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Jake's chalk talk. will uh, kick off the week, uh, reviewing a big, uh, Browns win. And then we've got, uh, uh, Mike Keefe on, on Tuesday night with uh, the Dog House and um, the Garage Beers. Wednesday night will be OBR Weekly with Barry and Fred uh, to sort of transition into the second half of the week. And then, of course, your own Brad Ward with All Eyes on Cleveland uh, on Thursday night. We'll get you ready for another big one. They're on the road uh, going to Denver uh, next Sunday. And obviously, we will be back here again next Sunday night. Uh, probably right around the the final whistle of that one. There'll be a little pause and then we'll come on and hopefully we're celebrating another win because this seems to be the, that's sort of a season, right? Where we can, not that you're expecting a win, but that you, you like I, I've said before, you you go into every week feeling like this team is going to give it their all and, and going to fight like hell to get the win if they can. So thank you again to everybody for joining us. Uh, we had a great time bringing you the show. We will see you again soon. Until then, go Browns. It's a Browns win Monday. That means we get Fit Check live in the studio. Kelby, what's up? What's happening? You ready to break down some outfits? I'm super ready. There were a lot of fun ones. We lead off with DTR, the main showstopper of the day, comes in rocking. That's a puffy coat. That's a real puffy coat. Real puffy. I, I mean, is it too puffy? That's the question. It's a little too puffy for my liking. Can Can you get the arms to fit? All I'm saying is is the sleeves seem too long. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yep. It's a little bit too long, but it's such a style right now. It's, it's a vibe. It. It's a vibe. I think maybe I'd like it more if it were like green or cobalt blue. Yeah. The all black thing is very in with the mm-hmm. with the whole team, really. The black bag. He's got the black black pants, little bell bottomy down there yeah, at the bottom. Yeah, I like those. Yeah, black shoes, black mm-hmm. black everything. And and uh, he got the win today. You know, we give him a bump up on the grade scale for leading that late comeback. So where are you going out of 10 on DTR's puffy coat, all give, black fit? I give him 10 out of 10 for comfort. It is very comfortable. Um, and cozy vibes, but mm-hmm. I give him a 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. All right, next up is David is, again, you're talking about comfort fit, talking about got a fur coat going on here. We got the button so low on that button down, which you can't see all of, but it looks like it's got some red flowers. It's so low, it's a capital V. It's like a cherry blossom, I think. A striped black and white shirt with some cherry blossom, red. Um, skinny, skinny jeans. Skinny. Those are very skinny. Yes. Yeah. 
The oh, shoes yeah. match. I like yeah. the shoe-shoestring combo. Yeah, the shoes are great. Um, I mean, I'm digging it. I think it looks very cool. One of his better ones for me. I give him a 10 out of 10. Yeah. The, the, the whole vibe, he's very tailored on the on the – on the hair, you can tell a ton of detail. Yeah. Sunglasses, good fit. It's a whole attitude for him. Really like yeah. that fit. Strong, strong score for him. Uh, all right, we have a slew of other ones now. We have Elijah Moore, who continues to pull off camo better than just about anybody. He's got a little beanie on top, a little black leather jacket. Looks like he's got some books he's studying there, although that's probably not a book, but it looks it's, like it. He looks very studious is all I'm saying. <laughs> he does look studious. He's got the glasses. He's pulling He's pulling off the whole look. Yeah. So I'm a high on this one. Where are you at? Yeah, you know I normally don't like camo, but I think that this is also I also feel like great. last week you asked me if you wanted camo paint. Like you were into camo. You're he, getting into yeah, camo. Yeah, they like make me want to buy them. I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, but... I think this is great. I give him a ten out of ten too. All right, that's a high score. Usually, when they win, you get you get the high score stuff going on. Next, Anthony Walker is rocking that Rude brand R H U D E. I've looked it up. It's a bit pricey. Can understand why they like it. I love the jeans with it. That's another comfortable fit here. Yeah, so. yeah, he's comfy. He's just got some nice. Those denim look pretty stretchy to me. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you think, but a nice stretchy denim. I'm into stretchy denim. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, and especially I like, with Thanksgiving coming up. Yeah, you know. he's he's just getting ready. I don't know what kind of hat he's got on, but he's got like a little black trucker hat on with some yellow writing on it. Yeah, um, I like it. It's comfy. I mean, it's not like my favorite or whatever, but I give him an eight out of ten. Yeah, I was gonna say seven and a half. Pretty strong. Hopefully, he heals up well. They need him up with an injury. Next is Shelby Harris, who had a great game, knocked some passes down. I love the like. Um, bomber book bag thing going on there. That's a cool fit. I like the jeans, the sweatshirt vibes, all of it. You know, the shoes that kind of match the jeans. I like that. What's the sweatshirt pattern there? I mean, the sweatshirt, it's like the bandana, like a paisley bandana. It's black, though. But then it's got a couple of different patterns on it, too. I can't figure out what it is. I mean, it's cool, though. I like it. That wrist is icy. Yes. That is a nice, Platinum. nice wrist. I really uh, like his shoes, though, too. His Me shoes too. are cool. Air Forces, yeah. Yeah, I give him a 9 out of 10. Solid 9. Next, Matthew Adams, who is an intimidating man when he comes walking in. Got the boxing gloves. He plays the whole bit, sunglasses. Got the Nike coat and the sweatpants. He's very comfortable. You know what vibes he's giving me right now? Yeah. LL Cool J. Like it. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a gritty special teams player who... Is uh, kind of embodies his outfits that he wears in. He rocks the boxing gloves. It's a whole thing. So uh, I like his look. I, I from a, me, would I wear that? Yeah. I probably wear all that gray I think all you the wore time. It yesterday, I probably did. That's a ten out of ten fit for me on the dad scale. I don't love it. You yeah. know how I feel. I think there could be some more effort. I give him a five out of ten. Yeah, I feel that. Denzel comes in looking like a 1996 yearbook. Rocking, you see the pattern? You see it? Yes. Yeah, I got you on that one. That was a good one. All right, he's got he's got that like turquoise and uh, white. It's a whole jean denim combination, right? You know, yeah. but they're white jeans and it's more that. of a teal. Yeah, teal, and there it looks go. a little airbrushed. Yeah. So I understand the yearbook um, comment, but yeah, I think it's great. It's a uh, very him. Yep, very very him. Ten out of ten. Got this. Got the little man purse. I like that. Yep. The black shoes. Satchel. I go like a nine, but that's just me. Yeah. Good look overall. 
Uh, Miles comes in just looking casual, like he's just left the country club or something. Like a snack. Yeah, well, easy. He's like uh, <laughs> rocking a cardigan, uh, just a really fun cardigan, white tee, jeans, and you know, some. I think he's got some J's on there too, and yeah. probably brought an outfit change for the Cavs game later after he goes out and dominates this game, goes to the Cavs game, gets a round of applause. It's a good formula they got here, and he's rocking that Kobe 24 mm-hmm. hat, which you know we respect that. So, I mean, I'm just giving him a just a 10. He just yeah. can't score lower than a 10. Yeah, he's got the chinos. He's showing his ankles. I mean, the J's on his feet. Good look. Miles in a cardigan is the icing on the cherry on top. Cherry on top. Cherry on went top away from the, the icing, day. went to the yeah, cherry. Yeah, 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 cherry. Listen, Jim Donovan's back. He rocked the brown turtleneck. It's a 12 out of 10 Jim Donovan classic 12, 12 look. 12 out of 10. Just the personalized stitching going on with mm-hmm. the whole thing. It couldn't get more. I couldn't tell if this picture is of Jim from 1994 or right now, we're happy to have Jim back. We give that sweater and the and the uh, orange puffy coat he rocked and getting his game ball an absolute, I don't know, what, 15 out of 10 minimum? 15 out of 10. Speaking of 15 out of 10s, we got Ogbo Onkwo, who's just had a baby yesterday who brought his uh, blanket from the, I would imagine from the, you know, the room that they were staying in, the del- not the delivery room, but whatever they, what do they call that? The the next room you go in after the delivery room, it's just your room. What is there like a, help me out here. There's yeah, a, se- now I'm... it's not a delivery room. It's a something room. Mm-hmm. Okay. We can't think of it, but nonetheless, he clearly has <laughs> he had, had the baby. Kids. Yeah. Two kids. Yeah, he, he's wrapped up in that blanket. He's about the blanket for good luck. So we give him a ton of respect. Uh, it's hard to grade poorly when you have that going for you. It's uh, let me see here. Let me make sure I pull up the whole look. It's not on there. It's in his story, or okay. he posted about it. I really, I really like the bling of the. He's got like some some chains in the pocket. Again, everybody wearing mostly black lately. The black like leather sleeves. Yeah, but he's got like it's it's like a leather. Um, it's not great. You don't like the whole look though, no. so you're not giving him a, like a. You got to give him at least like an eight. Out of respect for... Out of respect for the baby blanket, yes. Yeah. But the fit itself is like... They're like leather gaucho pants. Mm, gaucho pants. Mm-hmm. Very familiar with yeah. those. It's also the postpartum recovery room. Postpartum recovery yep. room. Yep, yep, yep. Right, that's right. That's what it's called. Uh, yeah, anyway, shout out to him and his and his wife and the family there for, for their baby uh, delivery, which is awesome. It was the thought he might not play. Then he played, and he had four tackles for loss, and he kicked butt, and now he gets to go to his baby. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. All right, that's fine. I'll give it that. Uh, switching over to now some looks, man. So we got uh, – let me see here. The first one that we haven't talked about that we're finding now on Instagram is going to be Greg Newsom. This is a swing. He took, he took a swing. He's got a very nice necklace on. Respect. Mm-hmm. Love the bling. Mm-hmm. It's like a half-buttoned sweater cardigan. It's a cardigan. Car- it's a cardigan yep. that's like ripped. It's a distressed cardigan. Distressed is the word. Yep. The jeans are awful. Those jeans are so in right now. He looks like oh he, if he had a black shirt on, I feel like he should be a, um, going to a ICP concert. Oh, boy. That, is that the look he's going for, though, is the question. I mean. He's rocking these orange bags here that are very designer. I'm sure very expensive. That look is not up my... I'm giving it a five. I love the sweater. Really? Yeah, but it's not... Like, I wish he had a shirt under it. Mm. And, like, I just wish it was styled differently. The pants can... Go. Burn. They're awful. Yeah, horrible. But I do respect him for always, like... He takes risks. He He takes risks. Yeah. So, five out of ten. Yeah, two fives. All right, next is Zadarius, who rocks just a little cream top, little t-shirt, little... Mm -hmm. 
little simple t-shirt, but he's got oatmeal. these he's got these flare sure oatmeal. He's got these flared out jeans that might be sweat. I mean, they are interesting. What do we got going on the sides of those? Yeah, I mean, they look like they're supposed to be like a faded jean, but I don't see any zippers or pockets at all. There's fringe down both sides of them. They look very comfy. Like I literally think it's a sweatpant. He does not. He is so comfortable in his skin. He's always vibing when mm-hmm. he comes in. Not a look that I love. Probably like a six for me. But I, he's it's it's very him. Yeah, I agree on a six. That might be the first one we've ever agreed on. We just agreed on the five. The oh, score okay. before. So the just second kidding. one we've agreed on. Uh, all right. So I think we need to hit on JOK. He was wearing his cultural based outfit again. And that is my favorite one because you know I'm into the green. Yeah. The, like Hunter Green. That one's like an elegant. It's a ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. he's got a tie with it. Yep. All of it. He's so committed. It's just he's very doing it sleek. every week. It's and a program that he's doing. I understand, but that takes a lot of effort to rock yeah. that into every game and he is the he's hitting it out of the park. Everything. Yeah. Ten, 10 out, out of ten. Ten out of ten. Respect. Like he does a green. I know, all the time. And then we have Dewan Jones coming in. Apparently into like a Chucky bit this week. He's got the Chucky shirt. You want to play? He tweeted himself like, "Do you want to come play?" Like the the Chuck. Like he's he's like gonna kill you, I guess. And he's a human. He's six eight. He's just gonna three eighty. He's massive. Probably. It's a very intimidating thing. We had somebody at the OBR who knows a security guy in the Browns stadium who said they had to check in a Chucky doll today. That was kind of funny. He's the one carrying said Chucky doll. I love the outfit personally. Some comfy khakis. Uh, not sure what brand of shoe we have there, but but nonetheless, comfy khakis, a little Chucky shirt, good chain usage like that with a, you know, simple little little coat. I mean, I dad fit. Mm. I'd rock that look yeah, in general. Would. So I'd give it like an eight. Solid eight for me. i give it a four. All right. You're not into it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm into it. Speaking of dad fits, this is a fit I probably would rock like seven out of seven days. Rodney McLeod comes in. He's wearing a built to outlast them all gray t-shirt. He's got a, just a... Little jacket, little light jacket over top of it. Is that like a blue? Yeah, it's like a like a faded navy blue. Yeah, he's got some comfortable sweatpants. The whole look. He's got some good shit, like sunglasses with that, a good hat. Yeah, a I very, would wear this. He's our age. He's 33, 34 years old. And I think he's just coming to the game, ready to go. And he actually also left hurt. He left hurt oh. with a biceps injury. So we hope, hope Rodney gets back and is uh, able to play next week. That might be, I think that's it. I okay, think that's well, everybody. Uh, we should rate him. I mean, if I'm rating on dad fits, that's a solid, that's a solid nine. But but again, that's probably too high. I'd probably say like a seven is fair. I'm for gonna that say fit. a six. All right, six. Okay, I think that's story. it. I think there might be one more on the story. We can check that out real quick. So PJ. we click on the story. Yeah, PJ Walker was in the story. We got to find him. Right. There he is. Um, no, I like that. I like yeah, that I like chain with his number. It's like a blue. It's like a blue coat. Yeah, but it's, it's like, like quilted almost. It's like peacoat material, yeah. but then yeah, it's like um, braided. So it's mm. like oatmeal, um, navy, black, and it's just all intertwined, and it looks really cool. And you just got like a nice little black slack on. Yeah, with some some good shoes to match. He's one of the few people we've seen wearing earbuds, not mm-hmm. like not the old school connected to yeah. your phone uh, earbuds either, yeah. like the AirPods. So there we go. 10 out of 10. Um, 10 out of 10, I would say a 9. I'd say a 9. So last but certainly not least, we have Nick Chubb who came out looking just maybe the biggest smile he's had since the surgeries and all that really strenuous stuff he's been through lately. But boy, was he happy to see Browns fans and Browns fans clearly happy to see him. And 
I, I gotta say, the show up like in the sweatshirt and just a very simple khaki with a sweatshirt. That sweatshirt's really cool. It's like Ilthy brand. Ilthy, Ilthy. Ilthy. It would kind of be off of Filthy, is it's how Cleveland. I would think. And it is a Cleveland-based brand. It's got the. It's got uh, maybe. I hope. It's got a like Elfie on the front. It's like like lifted. The logo's yeah. like into the shirt, but lifted. And it's got the forty-six on the sleeve. Yeah, it almost um, looks like it's embroidered, but it's like a big fan. Yeah, I think it's a great look. It's one hundred and twenty dollars. If anybody would like to buy it, we looked at it. Mm-hmm. I can't justify it, but I do like it. It's a fun shirt, fun Browns logo on the sleeve too. I mean, respect to Nick. It's a solid ten. Can't, ten out yeah. of ten. Yeah, we miss you, Nick. Get well. Can't wait to see you next year. And can't wait to see you guys come through for the next episode. We appreciate you stopping by, Kelby. I know I appreciate you taking. 10 minutes out of your, your Netflix <laughs> series you're watching right I'm now. I'm reading a book. There it is. She's reading a book. But nonetheless, appreciate you. Thank you. All right, guys. We're going to sign out for the day. Thanks for being here. Check out everything you need over at the OBR. All the information you need on this game. We'll have it throughout the day. You get your Chalk Talk on Monday night. You'll get another podcast with me and Andrew, and I'll do the comprehensive information in that one as well. It's all there for you. Plenty of information on your Browns. Huge. 13-10 wins. 7-3. and three. Big games coming up, traveling out to the West Coast for Broncos and Rams. We'll have it all covered for you. So, again, thanks for being here and making the OBR Film Breakdown a part of your day. Have a great Monday, and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.